Self-doubt is the anchor that keeps our ships from sailing. So I don't quite agree with this quote, which is running rampant on the internet, and you can listen to this episode on doubt, and I'll explain why. Welcome to the Shadow Work Library. I'm Jessica DePotsy, and for the next at least 59 shows, I'm going to take you through this series that covers the spectrum of negative patterns in the human experience. Let us all sink into the sea. Paint in gold the water, rosaries. Where the sailors. So, the shadow of doubt. If you're human, you know the shadow well. Doubt is all about your relationship with your logical side, and it feels like a mental pressure that always exists in some form or another in what we can call your left brain, even though that's potentially not a totally accurate description of what your left brain actually does. I'm just going to go off what scientists say is today's truth, and that is actually a great example of doubt in action. We were told that different sides of the brain control different types of thinking. The left brain was your logic center, and your right brain was your creative center. And I'm sure that was an amazing discovery for whoever put that theory together. And it's only when the doubt crept in that things started to change. Either that same research group or another altogether, they weren't satisfied with that theory. They doubted that theory. And today, that's been labeled a myth. And neuroscientists' truth of the day is that more of a top brain, bottom brain theory is more accurate. Anyway... I'm sure that'll change. So my daily disclaimer is I'm just going to use generally accepted to be true language, which we all understand to conceptualize this shadow work process. So where does this shadow come from? We can all agree that you have a logical part of you and a creative part. And keeping with this potentially old school theory of for simplicity, we're going to focus today on the left brain. And my dog is joining me here today. So if you hear some barking, that's what's happening. (laughs) Um, Your logical part of you is designed to see things in terms of repeating patterns. This ability to see patterns has been a necessary part of our evolution. It's helped us teach ourselves more and more effective skills to ensure our survival so that today, I mean, just look around at all the awesome things we have thanks to logic. Survival for most of us is pretty easy and not usually something we think about. So the purpose of doubt has been and continues to be a very positive force in helping us with the process of humankind as the feeling of doubt sits like a kind of constant mental pressure inside of us. And we can use logic to attempt to be free of this. Doubt is really this foundation of logic and logic is a necessary part of our evolution. It's not everything, but it is a necessary part of it. But there are a few ways, as you might imagine, that doubt can become this glaring negative force in our lives. So let's talk about those. If the doubt you feel becomes personal and something you start to identify with, it becomes destructive. You start to undermine your ability to change the situation because you stopped this full process that doubt is supposed to complete by owning it as a part of yourself. At this point, it can either manifest as self-doubt and suspicion or a third little offshoot of low vibing behavior which is creating a false logical reality that gives very fixed answers to something that's just not true. So it's like you're putting a a forced stop to the doubt by creating a fixed opinion. And you can even look at some scientists who believe hardcore in scientific facts who don't even want to contemplate other options as if doing so would open the door to some kind of like existential crisis. Without doubt, the logical mind starts to deteriorate because you stop the thing that keeps it running in a healthy way, which is constantly asking questions. So let's focus on that shame version of doubt, which is the internally focused self-doubt. 
Self-doubt becomes destructive to us only when we start to take it personally and it becomes part of our identity. So I'll give you an example. Michael Anders, he's the author of Inner Circle. He runs a mastermind here in Phoenix and owns what was voted the number one CrossFit gym in the U.S. Um, He's also joining us for the Special Forces Experience as one of the cadre this year, which is really exciting because he has so many great things to offer. He recently created this map of raising your awareness through the mediumship of entrepreneurship, which is a total game changer for anyone who's riding that roller coaster of owning a business. So in between the business seasons of conscious incompetence and conscious competence is this indicator that you're moving into the next level, which is commonly known as imposter syndrome. Uh, We just went to his mastermind a couple, actually last week, and he gave this keynote. It was awesome. So imposter syndrome, many of you might know this, it's defined as this collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. And this is something that I think so many of us can relate to. I experienced a lot of this imposter syndrome around changing my career from fitness marketing to helping men through the special uh, through the special forces experience level up. Even though I had dedicated four years of my life to researching absolutely everything I possibly could, from traditional learning to fringe topics, to everything in between, I felt very inwardly confident in my knowledge, but opening up to the public was super scary to me. I let the self-doubt creep in and then I let it get stuck there as I internalized the idea that I'm not a man, therefore I'm not qualified to help men. And instead of using that mental pressure creatively like I had been up until that point, I it started to detract from my work. I started to procrastinate. I was second guessing things that I didn't really need to be second guessing and didn't need to be reworked. I was doing all of these things to logically try to relieve that mental pressure that my self-doubt was creating. I was stuck in that cycle. And really the worst thing you can do with self-doubt is get stuck there and take forced or premature action to be free of the pressure. And the longer it stays stuck in you, the longer it will probably take to be released. And I'll talk about how you can get out of this pattern in just a little bit. But on the blame side of the doubt spectrum is externalized suspicion. So this is when we project our own self-doubt onto those usually closest to us. And it starts that feedback loop of them reacting back to you with defensiveness, which like tells you in your mind, oh yeah, it's like fueling my doubt about them. And in this way, your low vibing logical side is telling you, yes, see, your suspicions are totally true. So this is how doubt shows up in your life, either um, focusing internally as self-doubt and it getting stuck there as a potential negative side effect or on the blame side of the spectrum, externalizing your doubt as suspicion. So what do we do about it? Your doubt needs to be harnessed in a creative way in order for it to be a positive force. And that starts with awareness, like most things. It always starts with awareness. Think of doubt like a tea kettle. The steam is always there to build pressure, just like we're hardwired to always have doubt. And lots of your life can go without even noticing it. It's not like you have to constantly have doubt in your life. But at a certain point, it will build up so that it starts that whistle alarm in your head and it's just screaming for you to pay attention to it. And then to release the pressure, you need to get very specific about what it is that's building up in you. So back to my personal example, the self-doubt didn't come to me like this perfectly formed sentence. It generally just had this feeling of, Jessica, you suck. And I think the best form of translating you sucks into something productive is with journaling. Because you suck is never the end. It's just this very primal feeling that we have. This is one of the primary tools of self-transcendence that we use in the trials course. 
you use a stream of consciousness writing method as you contemplate certain questions. And in this case, my contemplation was, why do I feel like I can't help men? And after a while, I figured out that my primary thought was that I'm not a man, so who am I to help a man if I haven't lived in his shoes? Now, I mentioned that the worst thing you can do with self-doubt is hold it in and get it stuck there. So naturally, on the flip side, the best thing you can do after you name it and get really specific about what it is that you're struggling with is share this very clear reason why you're doubting yourself and find out why it is or why it is not true and detach from the self-doubt as if it's just a level in this video game of life and do not take it personally. This is the power of inquiry. It's about remaining open to the potential of everything. The truth of today for you at the end of that conversation might be exactly what you feared, but at least you have something to mentally work off now. And the next step is just to figure out how are you going to be productive with that new information. As soon as you name the doubt, detach from it, inquire into it logically, and you can then be creative about your next steps, which open the nozzle from that tea kettle and the pressure is released. Your current reality probably is no different at that point, but the state of your left brain, it's clear to make your next move with a level head that's not fueled by fear. So how does doubt become a strength? If you're plagued by doubt and you do this shadow work to become somebody who is almost insanely curious, somebody who asks a lot of questions, you transform doubt into the superpower of inquiry. The continual process and pressure of doubt gives you the power of inquiry, which leads to deeper and deeper understandings of everything. And as you continue to ask logical questions, you probably, well, you'll start about the things external to you. And as you start to ask questions or about the things that you see outside of you, you start to realize that everything you're seeing, everything that you're tuned into outside of you, because you don't see everything. That That's another reality check that, Um, a lot of us need to have from time to time is what you're seeing is reality, but there's a lot more that you're not seeing. So there are certain themes that you're tuned into, and those are the things that you need to pay attention to because those are the reflections of what's happening inside of you. There's no way for us to see absolutely everything that's happening outside of us. So what you are attuned to, attuned to, (laughs) is what you need to see. And this epiphany starts to kind of dampen your logical side as addressing things objectively becomes almost less possible where you naturally start to explore more of the what ifs in the world. And then you start to naturally and honestly question your own nature and reason why you're here. And this is exactly one half of the purpose of the trials. At our core, we want to know who and what we really are. And for people who are really, really amazing at inquiry, those people begin to get very good at asking the right questions to open up new universes and new possibilities. Top tier journalists and interviewers have this superpower. These people are almost possessed with the question, who am I and who are you? And how do we fit into all of this? I'm sure you know some people like this. They're awesome people to know. And the more you inquire into yourself and others, the more you realize we're all just on different levels. There's nothing inherently wrong with somebody who's in kindergarten when, let's say, you're in high school. Sure, those kinder kids might be a little annoying, but they're new and they're still figuring it out. And that's kind of what you realize when you start to ask questions about the people around you and start to dive more into the psychology and and all of that. And psychology kind of starts to blur the lines into spirituality when you start asking these deeper questions and you get the sense that you're moving somewhere or evolving from something or towards something. And that's why we call it leveling up or evolving or growing. When you do this self-transcendence work, you just get the sense that you're on an upward trajectory. Now, the question is 
always in our minds like where are we going and the truth is there there is no destination the truth is that there is truth in every step you take and it's the fun of what you learn in the process that might sound like a little bit of a letdown for the romantic in us that wants to see the land of milk and honey on the other side but once you really get into using the superpower of inquiry it almost becomes a hobby this rabbit holing and exploring the possibilities of their minds. Um, and you can do this either alone or with friends who've got the superpower too. It's like masterminding and brainstorming on a whole new level. It can be one of the most fulfilling, exciting, and productive experiences you can have by yourself or with others. So that's that. This was personally a chapter in my life that I needed to figure out before I was able to to move beyond these patterns of self-doubt that I was definitely one of those people that was plagued by this. And I love this shadow work because it removes the stigma of negative feelings, but it doesn't leave it just at everything is okay. You know, not everything is okay. Sometimes we want to stop feeling crappy and do something about it without bypassing the root cause of the problem. And I hope that's what you're getting from these submissions. Shoot me a message and let me know how this is sitting with you. If there's anything you'd like me to expand upon or talk less about or more about, you can reach me at jessica at thespecialforcesexperience.com or on Instagram at jessicadepatsi underscore, spelled like depati, D-E-P-A-T-I-E. And if you're liking the show, a quick rating would be super. Not necessary, but if you're looking at it, yeah, you can do what you want. <laughs> So for the next episode, I'm going to be discussing the shadow of dishonor. So this is a very interesting one. If you have an air of properness to you, but like maybe it's a fake kind, like think fancy Victorian age archetype, or maybe improperness, like an inappropriate rebel without a cause kind of thing going on. Dishonor is going to be a fun shadow for you to dig into. And even if those words aren't hitting as close to home for you, this submission is about karma and core wounds and relationships and ancestral DNA, all kinds of exciting things that you might want to know about. It's a complicated one, so I might have to take a little bit longer on this to put it together. But when I do, you'll have a great idea of how that can be transformed into the superpower of graciousness, which is something we can all use more of. Have a great week, everyone, and I will talk to you soon. 